Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and there's Jerry over there. We're just horsing around <laughs> saying, who's ah? Who's ah? Actually, I think people might like a little recree of what just happened. Let's hear it. Jerry said, I need to check levels. We didn't really say anything. And she went, all right, you ready? And you said, we didn't say anything for levels. Mm-hmm. She said, I don't need you to say anything. She's like, in fact, I need you to stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> And then I had to wait until she said, start talking. She mouthed, start talking, monkey. <laughs> Goodness me. Is that where we are? Yep. How's it going? It's good. I just want to, before we really get started, Chuck, I want to point something out. I'm not sure if you know this or not. Oh, boy. You have a paper clip holding your glasses together. Yeah. <laughs> At first I was like, is he just storing the paper clip? But no. I thought, no, he's not storing a paper clip. He'd keep that tucked in his cheek if he were just storing it. I would, like everything else. Store, it's on the arm of your glasses where your glasses meet the body. Uh-huh. You see there? It goes yeah. through. It's the it acting as the screw because uh, the thing, the screw came out. And I need my glasses on in order to put the screw in the glasses. Gotcha. It's quite a conundrum. Were you raised in Oklahoma in the Depression? <laughs> no, why? Because you can get other glasses. <laughs> Dude, that's how busy I am. I can't go by the glasses store. I don't need new ones. I just need someone with tiny fingers okay. and good vision. To someone put from in Oklahoma the, could probably help you <laughs> to out. To put in the screw. Ironically. Uh, and this, is, this worked so well. I stuck this, the uh, paperclip in there, bent it around. And I kind of like it. It is. It's handsome. It's a handsome <laughs> look. I think you're going to start a trend. I forgot it was there. Well, I like it. Oh, boy. Um, thanks for playing along. Sure. Chuck. So uh, we're talking today. The reason I said, who's ah, who's ah, is because we're talking Robin Hood. Is that from Robin Hood? No. Oh, okay. It's actually from the movie Role Models, the Paul Rudd movie. I like that movie. It's good. I saw it the other day again. Good, dumb, fun. <laughs> yeah. I love it. You know, he like wrote that. Rudd? Yeah. He's great. I, I like uh, Stifler. Yeah, he's, he's great in that, in that too. His little buddy in the yeah. movie or whatever they call him. Uh, uh, Ronnie? Little. Yeah. Yeah. He was Stifler's so funny. buddy, Ronnie, yeah. He's amazing. I expect great uh, great things from that kid. Yep. At least I hope so. Well, anyway, I was watching Role Models the other day, mm-hmm. and one of the LARP guys comes up and goes, huzzah. Right. And I was like, I always <laughs> thought it was huzzah. Yeah, That's me how too. Strickland always says it. When yeah. He's dressed up like the king of the Renaissance festival. Yeah, those LARP those LARP scenes were funny too. Right. But the guy comes up and says, Who's ah? So Who's I was ah? like, I can't wait to incorporate that somehow. <laughs> Robin Hood, here we go. Prince of Thieves. Yeah, and the reason why that would work is because the LARPers were set in the medieval era. And everyone knows Robin Hood's set in the medieval era, but actually that's totally incorrect. Yeah. Most of the time when you see Robin Hood, it's set in the um Tudor era in yeah, England, almost, about right. almost invariably in Sherwood Forest, mm-hmm. which is a wooded area and about right smack dab in the center of England. Mm-hmm. Um, and the everybody running around is acting like it's the 1400s, maybe the 1500s. And that's all well and good if you're making a Disney version of it. Mm-hmm. Reality just goes right out the window, right? It's mm-hmm. Disney. It's a cartoon, for goodness sake. Everybody lighten up. But I love that version. It's entirely possible, and there are, it's a good one. And there are historians who believe 
that there was a real Robin Hood. Yeah. And they have spent a lot of time and effort trying to track down exactly who it might be, exactly when he might have lived. And my money, and a lot of historians, place it right around the um, beginning of the 1200s, the 13th century in England, long before the Tudors were ever even a twinkle in anybody's loins. <laughs> uh, here's my bet, is that Robin Hood is a an amalgam Amalgam? Sure. Of a few dudes. Yeah. That uh, the writers of history have filled in some blanks, <laughs> and then the writers of literature just like ran with it. Yeah. yeah that's that's my take on it as well, is that it's a, a few people served as role models for it. Role models. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even plan that. <laughs> Paul Rudd is everywhere. Uh, but there are some people who, who still think that there was no such person at all, or maybe even persons, yeah. might have been wholly created. Sure. But then on the opposite side, there are some people, and they're few and far between from what I can tell, who believe there was a single person yeah. named Robin Hood yeah. who did most of this stuff and was the basis for these legends. That they're called people who want to sell books. So there's, right. <laughs> there's like, uh, they're like Robin Hood, case closed. <laughs> Thunk. But a big stamp. There's like a whole spectrum that you can just walk right up and say, I believe this, and you're as right as anybody on the Robin Hood train. Yeah, so if we go back in time, um, you know, I think a lot, everyone knows that early historians had a lot of blanks, uh, and they weren't the most reliable narrators. No, because they would just fill them in with stuff they made up. Yeah, because uh, I think they didn't, I don't know if they realized that early on, I'm speculating here, that... They you're, were record- you're like a historian. <laughs> yeah, they're like recording history. I think it was more like, hey, this is a good story. And I don't know, in 500 years, people are going to be taking this as, as written history. They're I, spinning yarns. In this case, I don't think that's correct. I think that they, were, they considered themselves actual historians who were getting to the bottom of history, but they had a worldview. And specifically with Robin Hood, it was, uh, I think, 15th century or 16th century Scottish historians mm. who were the ones who really kind of gave us the image of Robin Hood that they we have. They were so drunk. The, the robbing from the rich to give to the poor. Right. The chivalry. Um, a lot of that stuff. Anti-establishment. Yeah, that actually was part of it before. They had to kind of figure out how to make that one work because it didn't make sense to them at the time. But they basically said, here we've got these ballads that were written in the 1300s, the 14th century, and um, we think they're historical, so we're going to try to put this in context. And the stuff we don't understand, we're just going to make up, but we're going to pass it off as real. So there's this, if you, it's one of those great things like with fairy tales. We know all these fairy oh, sure. tales, and you remember we did those those episodes on it. Yeah, those are good. But if you strip away the stuff that's been added over the years and get to the bare bones, it's way darker. It's and just child abuse. A lot different, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. a lot different um, than than what we know and love as, you know, for in this case, the Robin Hood legend. Right. So if you want to look at literature, like you mentioned these ballads, the actual canon uh, for Robin Hood, uh, the very first mention is – uh, one called Piers Plowman, P-I-E-R-S. Like Piers Morgan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, from William Langland, about 1377. Uh, and then there were a, a host of other ballads. Um, and this is all, <clears throat> what was this, Middle English? I think so. Is that what you would call it? I don't know, maybe even old. With like wise 
for for vowels and things like that, like Canterbury Tale stuff. I really don't know if that's Middle or Old English. All Either right. way, it's barely legible. It is uh, a little, and that is spelled L Y T Y L L, which is great. A little jester of Robin Hood. <laughs> that was was that like Sean Connery on <laughs> maybe on dope. <laughs> uh, jest of Robin Hood. That's straight up says Robin Hood, uh-huh. and then a few more: Robin Hood and the Monk, uh, Robin Hood and the Potter, Robin Hood and Guy of Gisborne, and Robin Hood and the Temple of Doom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that one was super dark. It was very dark. The author had just broken up with his girlfriend, and I think that's what brought us the PG thirteen rating. It was, if I'm not mistaken, that and Gremlins. <laughs> um, so. Whether or not you believe this stuff basically has to do with whether or not these early songs you think are just songs or a matter of history, well, like yeah. a historical record. Yeah, and I, like that's how before people commonly wrote stuff down. Like at this time when this stuff was being written, the people who were writing it were monks. Those were the only people educated enough to write. Mm-hmm. Um, but people still passed stories down. They did it through oral histories. Mm-hmm. So – it's entirely possible that these early ballads were meant to – were created to um, commemorate right. a person or people or events or something like that. And then just over time, we lost – wait a minute. Are these fiction or nonfiction? But you're right. Like that's the divide when it comes to approaching um, Robin Hood from an historical uh, vantage. Like are these – just totally fiction? Right. Or are they meant to commemorate something that actually happened? Yeah, and it's easy through today's lens to dismiss these things as songs. But back then, like you were saying, it's like what better way to remember history sure. than to set it to uh, come on Eileen? <laughs> you know? Why that, man? Why would you just do that? That's a great song. It, it was the first thousand times I heard it. <laughs> oh, you don't like it anymore? Uh, you know, that's one of the problems. Is It's like... It's like they just made 10 songs in the 80s, and that's all you ever hear. There were so many more songs. Burning Down the House. Yeah, uh, It was once a great song as well. I'm going to see David Byrne tonight. Oh, cool. Thomas said what? So you won't listen to Come On Aileen, but you'll regurgitate the What's Up Budweiser guys? That was from the 90s. <laughs> I've heard that less frequently. Um, what connection did I hear recently from the guy who directed those? I think he's directing movies now uh-huh. or something. Uh-huh. The guy who directed those commercials. Right. They were like, you may rem- like, you've never heard of this movie director, but you might remember these guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was the, the gist of it. I'm surprised those ads never got like a full movie themselves. Yeah. It was that, uh, that definitely that era. Oh, for sure. Remember the cavemen from the Geico ads? Uh-huh. They had their own TV show for a Did couple. Did that ever come out? Couple, yeah, like for like three episodes. See that? Yeah, this totally could have been a TV show. Mm-hmm. The, you can call it "What's Up, Guys." Right. What's happening was taken. <laughs> uh, all right. So, where were we? We were talking about the Talking Heads. Oh, uh, let's talk about the forest. Uh, well, the, the reason we're talking about the forest is because while well, a character may or may not have existed. The stuff in the ballads definitely bears a strong resemblance to actual historical events. Yeah. Right? Yeah, the forest is significant here because at the time in the Middle Ages, um, how much of, it had a percentage of two-thirds of uh, the land in England were was forest land. Right. And it was sort of a – it was a place where the king – it was a place where people could go hide out. So mm-hmm. that's where it gets this sort of outlaw 
uh, lore is it was a legit place for outlaws to go do their business. Right, but it was also a, a, an outlaw hideout Yeah, because just by hang, hanging out in the forest, you were by definition an outlaw because of those forest laws that were super unpopular among people. You know or, what forest law means? What? I don't know. What, well, I'll tell you. What, stays, what happens in the forest stays in the forest. Yeah, unless, unless somebody comes out and blabs about what goes on <laughs> in the forest. Yeah. Do you remember, like, being a kid, though, hanging out in the forest in the woods, like, playing? I grew up in on two acres in the woods. So, so, so yeah, yeah. I was it, always in the woods. It's its own place. It is. So you can imagine, like, your whole country is like that, and, like, that's how you're living. You're just an outlaw with your buddies hanging out, having a campfire every night, eating roast pig that you find wandering around. Yeah, but it was weird because <laughs> the king could, like— that was his land where he could go have, you know, go hunting right. and have his his dudes hunting. But it was also lawless and a place to hide. It was weird. There was a lot going on in the forest. Right. So the reason why you were just by definition an outlaw if you were hanging out in the forest is because the king had these forest laws that said, all this forest, this is mine. Yeah. This is for my hunting, my friend's hunting, and that's it. If you're hanging out in the forest, you're breaking the law. And it was like a big law. And, like, there were serious punishments for sure. this. So just being in the forest ma- made you an outlaw. But even more than that, the people who went and lived in the forest weren't, like, on the run necessarily from no. the king and the king's officials. They were, like, at war with the king and the king's officials. This yeah. is a time where, like, uh, just some schmo like you or me could, like, wage war directly with the king of England. Yeah. And get an him to come fight us, basically. Uh-huh. And that's kind of what happened. And that's why the forest was a backdrop for um, all of the Robin Hood legends, from the beginning of the ballads up to the um, the Robin Hood men in tights. Yeah. <laughs> they were all set in the forest and because this happened. The forest laws were passed and everyone was really upset about it. So whether it's a metaphor or whether they're saying, like, the king did this and we need to commemorate it. Right. Or they were just, you know, building a foundation for why this action was taking place. The forest, like, plays a huge role. Yeah, and there's there's a new Robin Hood movie coming out. Did oh, yeah? you know that? No. It, it's crazy. Like, it seems like every couple of years, <clears throat> this, this just won't die. They're going to do a new version of it. And there's a new one with the kid from— uh, Kid and play, the kid, yeah, with kid from kid and play. He's awesome. <laughs> he does that like jump through his. Remember, he'd hold oh, yeah. his foot and then jump through the. I used to could do that. No, yeah, I never could. Yeah, I would just fall flat on my face. Young Chuck was a little more fleet of foot. <laughs> uh, it's got the kid from the the Kingsman. Uh huh. You know that guy. Uh huh. He plays Robin Hood and uh, Jamie uh, Jamie Fox mm-hmm. is uh, Little John, I guess. Nice. But it's you know of course this one he's he's shooting like literally like five arrows at once mm-hmm. and they all manage to go in different directions somehow. Oh, is it a comedy? No, no, it's real. Oh, okay. Like there's guys coming at him from it's, different directions. Yeah, and so he'll I put see. like three arrows and uh-huh. shoot them at the same time. Yet they'll all like spread right. out like a machine gun fire or something <laughs> or a shotgun. And for some weird reason, he's going yeah, yeah, <laughs> with every with every shot. And then I, I was looking up movies today just while we're on that and. I totally forgot there was a, a Russell Crowe version that I didn't mm-hmm. even see. I think that was just Robin Hood, right? Robin Hood from like 2010, Supposedly, Ridley Scott. Yeah. Uh, no, that's not the one. There's one that like historians are like, this is pr- about as close to accurate as we've gotten. Well, I looked up on the Russell Crowe one, and I think 
the deal is that one is a prequel of sorts because it's it's like the wars before he became, you know, Robin Hood mm. uh, that, you know, robs and, and gives to the poor. I would go check that one out. The one that I was thinking of is from 1991. It was directed by John Irvin, um, starring Patrick Bergen. Remember him? Oh, yeah. And Uma Thurman. That's the one that that historians are like, this this, this is the best out of all of them. So not Costner. (laughs) No. (laughs) I like that movie when it came out. I'll I'll admit it. I saw JFK on the plane to Australia, and I got to tell you, I was became a, a Costner fan with that one. I was all like, over this again. This guy is a great actor. You fell in love all over again. Yeah. <laughs> well, I specifically avoided draft day so I could leave the door open to be a fan again. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. I don't remember. Uh, all I remember was that preview for draft day. That's all I saw too. I but like, I just remember yeah. they they built up in that preview. It's about the NFL draft. Something so big. Mm-hmm. Like I can't believe that happened. It's gonna. Happen. I was like, what did they like kill somebody in the draft room? No, they drafted Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> Kaepernick. That's so you. Kaepernick. <laughs> Whatever. Let's take a break. I feel like we're off the rails and we're lost in the forest. Yeah, a little. And we'll we'll come back right after this. S-Y-S-K. By the way, I want to say I admire Colin Kaepernick or Kaepernick, and I meant no disrespect by saying his name. You're right. That is just so me. (laughs) Of course. I knew. You're kneeling right now, in fact. (laughs) (laughs) I know that you knew, but I just wanted to. Sure. You know. Um, All right. So they're in the forest. The forest makes historical sense, like we pointed out. So that's where outlaws did their bidding. Um, and now we should talk about the king because it's sort of not all over the map, but there's a few, uh, a few people that some historians believe could have been the king of note. Yeah, but what's, what's weird is if you read those original ballads that are spelled all crazy, they mention the king once out of all of yeah. them. There's just one mention of the king, and they, they refer to him as Edward, our comely king. Yeah, which right? you think is Edward III, right? You, you, that's what some historians say. Right. Uh, if you take the ballads at face value and that they were written contemporaneously to Robin Hood's exploits, right? Yeah. But a lot of people, and in, in, even in the popular um, culture, the, the kings that are most associated with the Robin Hood legend are Richard the Lionheart mm-hmm. and his brother, the sniveling villain King John. He's always sniveling and whiny in the right. movies. And so in the, in the Robin Hood legends, Robin Hood frequently helped Richard the Lionheart regain his throne from King John who had schemed to get it away from him. Mm-hmm. King John's the villain. King, King, really Robin Hood's the hero, but King Richard's like the backup hero. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the... the uh, they think that it's possible, and some of the best candidates for who Robin Hood is based on actually were running around and interacting with the real-life King John, if not also King Richard, too. Yeah, but that doesn't make sense time-wise, right? Because unless they just took a while to get around to writing these stories because right. they were around 100 years before the first Robin Hood ballad started appearing. Right, which in my opinion— lends credence to the idea that the ballads are 
folklore based on actual events because that time span is just about enough for things to be kind of changed and compressed and added to and um, for a folklore to develop. Like think about if yeah, you're describing like an outlaw. Like if you or I like wrote something about Billy the Kid mm-hmm. based on stuff we'd heard, what would we come up with? It'd be close, but it wouldn't be like <laughs> 100% accurate, right? Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, Richard, though, had a pretty interesting story um, when he died. And this is something that is not lore but is uh, as close to recorded fact as we can get. He was uh, walking around the perimeter of a chateau in France mm-hmm. um, where he – that was just – there was a battle going on basically. Didn't have – I get the feeling that it was sort of winding down. Mm-hmm. So he may have de-chain mailed and was like just airing out his armpits or something. Like, oh, I'm so sweaty. <laughs> And he was shot with a crossbow uh, in the shoulder. Ordinarily, might not have been a big deal, but mm-hmm. it turned uh, gangrenous. Uh, and some people say as he was dying, he said, bring me the man who shot me. And they bring the man and he like forgave him and said, spare this man. I may die, mm-hmm. but do not do anything to him. But that's not how it turned out, is it? No, it's not. The guy's named Peter Basil. And after the king died... Uh, everybody turned to Peter Basil and was like, you know you're dead, right? <laughs> He's like, I eh, probably figured it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I was really hoping that wasn't the case, but yeah. all right. But didn't, didn't you hear him? He just said. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Mother. But uh, they flayed him alive, which meant peeling the skin off of his head while he was alive. Unbelievable. And then after he uh, endured a lot of agony, they hanged him. Without the skin, because I'm sure they peeled it off of his neck as well. Imagine how bad a hanging would be. But then... Without your skin <laughs> that, on your that neck. Ro- rope burn. It's adding insult to injury is what it is. Yeah, so uh, it was custom at the time that you bury mm-hmm. um, the king in different places, which sounds really horrific now. Mm-hmm. But um, he was he was cut up and buried in different places. Heart in Normandy, mm-hmm. uh, his entrails in Chalos, and uh, apparently the rest of his remains in Anjou. Right. So that was a good brother. Yeah, that was Richard the Lionheart. Yeah. So he wasn't, like, deposed by his brother John. Um, he actually died. He he was king for two years after their father. Um, uh, what was his name? Henry? I, I believe Henry II. Yeah, Henry II, right? Yeah. Okay. So um, after Henry II died, Richard took over for two years. Then he dies, and then John uh, ascends to the throne. Reign so, of terror. And John was like, he's known among historians as the worst king England's ever had. Yeah, he was, like you said, he was paranoid. He was, uh, had no scruples. He was humorless. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just not a good guy. They point out in this article you sent, he was the opposite of Robin Hood mm-hmm. in that he took from the rich and the poor and just gave it to himself. I actually wrote that. Did you write that? Mm-hmm. Very well done. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> that sounded like a Josh Clark line. Thanks. And in the movies, like, John's always just sort of a, just that. He's sort of a whiny baby. He is, but he's also very powerful and very evil and deadly. Too. Yes, and vindictive. Right, yeah. So um, this is in, in real life. That's how he's remembered and described. He was very well known for being a heavy taxer. He would take your estate, and he would use these funds to, like, enrich himself, basically, like you were saying. Um, but... He was the the noble, or he was the king that the nobles rebelled against and forced to sign the Magna Carta. That was John. Yeah. That means that he was such a bad king that his own people rose up and took London hostage 
and forced him to negotiate with them. And he signed this document that forms the basis of civil and individual liberties in yeah. the Western world. Yeah. You know, the Magna Carta signed in 1215. So John was forced to sign that. And this rebellion is kind of um, part of the Robin Hood legend as well. Pretty cool. Yeah. He wasn't cool. No. But Magna just about everything going on around him was cool. <laughs> and I think that the point of John, and the reason why I think that the that he was part of the basis of the Robin Hood legend historically, is that <clears throat> prior to John, when his father was king, there was a, a respect for the rule of law, yeah. and things were just kind of run well. Like the king didn't act above the law. Yeah. Well, King John was very much not like that. He he was above the law and acted like it and flaunted it. Hmm. So when his father was around, the idea of an outlaw, an outlaw was a villain. By the time John took over, um, or after John took over, that had reversed. Yeah. The outlaw was in opposition to the king. The law was what was corrupt. And so John's reign kind of gave this fertile ground for a legend like Robin Hood, sure. a, an outlaw hero, to develop possibly for the first time in Western culture. Yeah, it was prime time for something like this to take hold. Right. So as far as who Robin Hood may have been, um, historians have tossed a lot of people into the into the pot over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most of them have some variation of that name. Um, there was a Robin with a Y, Hod, H-O-D. Great. Um, a Robert Hood oh, or Robertus. Not bad. Yeah. There was Gilbert Robin Hood. Sure, why not? With a Y-N. Um, so all these historians are like, oh, it's got to be these three guys, right? Yeah, Robin Hood with a U. Yeah. But here's what some other folks have finally said is, you know what? I think that name is not a name, right. but it is a term uh, for an outlaw. Yeah. So It was created, and there's a little bit to back that up. Yeah, there really is. They actually... This is like as clever as an historian can get. Pretty good stuff here. Clever and lucky. Um, some historians, I didn't find out who it was or when, but they came upon a, um, I guess like a, a, a civic proclamation about a prior, which is a church official, being pardoned for seizing somebody's assets. Yes. And the person, and he seized him without a warrant, which is what he was being pardoned for. Yeah. But the person whose assets he seized was an outlaw named William Robohood, a.k.a. Robin Hood, right? R-O-B-E-H-O-D. <clears throat> so they were like, Close. okay, this is a Robin Hood right here. They managed to find the year's um, court record before for the same area. With that uh, There was only one prior in the area. And that, that noted that the prior had seized the assets of a guy named Robert, son, or no, William, and son. That, yeah. William, son of Robert Lefevre. So what they figured out was that the clerk in the pardoning pro- proclamation mm-hmm. wrote down that the guy was a Robohud, which meant a, a fugitive, an outlaw. Mm-hmm. And um, they say, okay, this is proof positive that as late as 1262, no later than 1262, the idea of using the term Robin Hood or some variation of that as a term for an outlaw, a generic yeah. term for an outlaw, was so widespread that a clerk could write that down, denote somebody as a Robohud, and people would know what they were talking about, which means that that legend of Robin Hood had to have been around prior to this and in circulation for long enough that it had spread. 
Yeah, so in effect, William, son of Robert Lefevre, is the same person as William Robahod. Right. And this dude in 1262, uh, this clerk just took it upon himself to give him that name, mm-hmm. and no one thought he was crazy. Right. It, almost like he he had written down William the bank robber. Right. Or William the bandit. Yeah, yeah. Rather than writing his last name, which, frankly, he didn't have a last name. He was son of Robert Lefevre. Yeah. Because they didn't have last names very much back then. So it was very much like the clerk wrote William the, the outlaw bandit. Yes. But— what what he used Robahod or Robin Hood instead of Outlaw Bandit is just somewhere over the ages we lost that knowledge that Robahod or Robin Hood meant that and wasn't an actual person. Right. So there's this other guy, Falk Fitzwarren. I love this guy. <laughs> he is a bad dude. He was a bad dude, and he was a real guy, and it turns out there was actually a personal link <laughs> to King John. Uh, they were pals. Uh, little Falk Fitzwarren and young John, who I bet young John was a not fun to be around. No, I'll he's bet probably not. not a fun playmate. Yeah, mine. Uh, <laughs> and here's one story: they were playing chess one day. Uh, John got mad, broke his chessboard over Falk's head. Mm-hmm. Uh, Falk kicked him in the stomach, and John almost said Little John, but that would be a mistake. Different John. Little John was a was a character, mm-hmm. which, by the way, I don't think we mentioned. Little John was referenced in all those old ballads. Yeah. See, he's been around kind of since the beginning. And they think they found his grave. That's right. So uh, this John, as he was younger, went crying to daddy mm-hmm. and said, he kicked me in the stomach, mm-hmm. expecting to get some sort of backup. Mm-hmm. And apparently uh, that would have been Henry II. Um, I don't know if he beat him, but he was beaten for complaining about being kicked in the stomach. Spanked him good. Yeah. So no wonder John grew up to be a jerk. Right. Uh, his dad did never have his back, it sounds like. Yeah, that's part of it, I'm sure. So, flash forward a bit. Uh, Folk's father passes away in 1197. He inherits his ancestral holding at Whittington. John comes to power and says, I remember when you kicked me in the stomach. What a little bastard. (laughs) I am going to take your holdings, take your uh, family estate, basically, Mm -hmm. and then give it to your enemy, old Maury Fitzroger. Yeah. Sorry, Maury's. There's a name. There's an S at the end. These names are great. So Folk ends up murdering Maury's. Uh, it, might, it might even be Morris. Morris, maybe. Yeah, probably today it would be. Yeah, Morris Fitzroger. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's my that's new a, hotel yeah, name. That's a new. That's a new pseudonym. <laughs> uh, Folk kills Morris, flees, and basically wages a Robin Hood-like war against John <laughs> right. and his men for about three years. Yeah. So this could be him. Yeah, it could be because not just the fact that he was battling um, King John and, and fled to the forest where he used as his base of operations. Yeah. But there were a few other things that came up. Like one thing that's part of the legends but actually isn't part of the earliest ballads is that um, – that uh, Robin Hood was a fallen nobleman, somebody right. of, of noble birth who either lost or renounced their title mm-hmm. and became an outlaw and then regained it. That's the story of Folk Fitzwarren. Yeah. Like he, he lost his land. He lost his title to this other guy and then finally got it back when he was pardoned in 1203, right? Pretty good candidate. That was one. There's another one um, where Folk... Um, was was known to, while he was a, a, a forest bandit, mm-hmm. he would hijack, like, the king's 
people who were carrying the king's money, yeah. rob them. And um, he would say, what do you have on you? And the ones who told the truth about what they actually had, the amount of currency they had on them, right. he would let live. Very Robin Hoodie. Very, like straight out of the legend. Mm-hmm. But the ones who lied, he would, you know, punish with their lives or whatever. That was super Robin Hoodie. There was also another character trait of Robin Hood was disguises, using disguises. Yeah. Folk Fitzwarren was not above disguising himself. Yeah, there was another guy, a uh, historical outlaw named Eustace the Monk, who also had the disguise thing down uh, very much like Robin. In fact, exactly. He would disguise himself as a potter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that even goes to the Disney cartoon. Yeah. You know, these disguises. Mm-hmm. Very much a Robin Hood thing. Yep. Uh, I haven't, I don't know, Eustace the Monk doesn't seem as um, enticing to me as, as old Fitz Warren. No, Fitz, Fitz, um, or Folk is, he's my guy too. Speaking of Fitz, though, we should tell everyone that that little tag at the beginning of the name means that you're uh, you're a bastard child, right? An illegitimate son. Yeah. I looked that up because it sounded too good to be true, but um, the there was definitely a kid named Fitzroy which meant illegitimate son of Roy, of mm-hmm. the king. And I can't remember what king or what the guy's first name was. And since then, it's kind of become code, but I don't know that that was widespread at the time, that yeah. necessarily Folk Fitzwarren was an illegitimate son or that um, any of the other Fitzes were. Uh, yeah, I wonder today if, like, Fitzpatrick and Fitzgibbons and, like— Fitzgerald? Fitzgerald. Is all, are, is that all mean, illegitimate son of Gerald or Patrick? I don't, or? I don't know. I don't know what's the truth anymore, Chuck. Very interesting. Fits. Should we take another break? Yeah, we'll let everybody stew on that one for a little while. We'll be back right after this. S-Y-S-K. All right, so we've covered Folk and we covered Eustace. Mm-hmm. Folk, by the way, we got to tell that one story real quick about him. Oh, uh, the the beginning. Yeah, he found out that another um, another bandit was using his name. Piers Morgan. Uh, what was his name? <laughs> Piers what? Piers de Bruville. Okay. That sounds like, these sound like romance novel names. Yeah. Um, but he found out Pierce was using his name, robbing somewhere else, and he captured Pierce and his men, and he made Pierce tie his men up and then go around and behead every single one of them with, yeah. with his own hands. With, I guess with the assumption that he would be let go. I guess, but he didn't. He, then he cut off Pierce's hands when he was dead. If this happened, Chuck, can you imagine being in that house, that room, where there's like five, six, ten guys, I have no idea how many men there were, mm-hmm. who were systematically beheaded. And so like as they're wait, you're waiting in line as the guy next to you is getting his head cut off and your turn's next. There's heads everywhere. Yeah, how much blood and gore was everywhere? Like, can you imagine, like, really put yourself into that situation? Like, that yeah. may have actually happened. Yeah. It's so disturbing. So disturbing. Yeah, th- like losing your head, That's that's, I think that's probably like the first mortal fear any human's ever experienced. Yeah. Like, we're, we just know on, like, a primal level, the head is supposed to be attached to the body, and when it's not, mm-hmm. there's something bad wrong that's going on. 
Yeah, like your your death. Yeah. Didn't we determine though in a podcast nine and a half years ago mm-hmm. that you stay alive for like what six or seven seconds? Four, I think. Four it, seconds. That's what they found in rats after you were beheaded. Yeah, and remember that one guy who was guillotined? Like he kept like looking over and like trying to die, but then <laughs> they'd say God. his name and his eyes would open <laughs> back up and he'd be like, "What?" Oh, could you imagine the horror of potentially looking up for four seconds and seeing your headless body? No. No, my mind just rails against going there. Yeah, it should. It, it's it's replacing it with the what's up. <laughs> All right. So uh, there was a guy who wrote a book. A lot of people are still trying to piece this together. Um, this is not something that historians uh, put to bed years and years ago. Definitely not. Um, only 14 years ago in 2004 and probably since then. But there was a dude named Brian Benison who wrote a book called Robin Hood, colon, Case closed. Oh, always a cult. <laughs> the real story. That's pretty close to case closed. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and he says he's a lot. He's in the in the camp that Robin Hood is a name, uh, like a title, mm-hmm. uh, similar. He says to Billy the Kid. Right. I thought Billy Kid was a real dude, though. Right. Yeah, I think his name is William Bonney. Yeah, but I mean, he knew at the time that he was called Billy the Kid, right? Right. That, yeah, that's a, it's a this, terrible analogy. I think so too. Because it'd be like Robin. Son of Lefevre, right? But you right. call him Robin Hood. Not even close. No. Um, but at any rate, he, he claims it's a nickname and that of a man named Roger Godbird or Gobert. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said he's the real guy. He said he lived in the 13th century. He was a, a friend originally of the Sheriff of Nottingham, Reginald de Grey. That's pretty significant. And we should point out, too, that the one reason we can't pinpoint a lot of this is that it, they never name the sheriff of Nottingham they're talking about in any of these stories. Right. Um, and that's not a person's name. That's a that's a title. No, but there is such a thing as the sheriff of Nottingham. That's and there what I'm was saying. back then. But there were many of them. Right, exactly. Just one after the other, so that doesn't help that much. But it no. does zero in sure. on the area, but yeah, it doesn't help get a time period down. No, but he claims that it was specifically Reginald de Grey, that sheriff of Nottingham, mm-hmm. and um after, what, four years as an outlaw, the dude was captured, uh, went to jail, pardoned, and then farmed peacefully for the rest of his life. Yeah, and I mean, that guy's a pretty good candidate. Is um, he? He is, because one of the things about the um, Robin Hood themes, despite in some, in some of the, I think, the ballads, no, not in the ballads, it would have been in the ones that came later. So I guess the ones that the Scottish historians added, mm-hmm. he was battling the king. right. In the original ballads, all of the people he was um, rebelling against and fighting were like local authorities. Like the sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah. So he was kind of a working class hero mm-hmm. in among like the, the first working class the West has ever seen, the Yaoman farmers of the era or of the area. They were like the first like middle class that ever developed because either you were a peasant, meaning you were a feudal slave to the feudal lord mm-hmm. and you worked the land whether you liked it or not or you were landed gentry like you were a feudal lord and you had a peasantry and you had you know a bunch of land you were friends with the king yeah but in between there were yeomans i think that's how you say it y e o m a n yeoman yeoman mm-hmm. there were yeoman farmers who were they weren't slaves but they didn't have a title They just kind of made their own way. And supposedly that's what Robin Hood was. So it sounds like that this was what this uh, Roger Gobert is. Right. He was the same thing. And um, 
the idea that he was battling the sheriff of Nottingham, that would place him more in the historical lens than, say, if he were, like, battling King John. That's actually a mark against Fulk right. Fitzwarren. Yeah, yeah. Because that doesn't appear in the original ballads. It was he was battling the sheriff of Nottingham or he was battling local church officials. He hated the church officials. That but he was, loved God. He did, so much so that he would get arrested to come out to go to church. Right. He just hated the clergy. Right. Uh, which, which at the time, those were the people who were taking your land or throwing yeah. you in jail or taking your stuff without a warrant. Yeah, and also when you look back on a lot of these early uh, ballads and stories, they're very, very different from what the legend of Robin Hood became to us mm-hmm. in like contemporary fiction. Uh, apparently that the, the jest ballad only had a couple of uh, things that he did that were even close to like these big altruistic acts right. that he's really, really most known for now. I think one of them was he agreed to lend money to a knight. That was one of really? the two. <laughs> eh, here's five bucks. Just pay yeah. it back with a 2% vig. Right. But that, right. But that whole um, steal from the rich and give to the poor thing, yeah. that came thanks to the Scottish historians. Yeah. Later. All these authors sort of littered it with that stuff because they found a, a champion of the mm-hmm. Underling, basically, in mm-hmm. the common man, right, and ran with it just from standing up to the king or to the authority who were acting unjustly and above the law themselves. Yeah, there's also no mention in those early tales of a maid Marian, mm-hmm. who um, seems to have come along later, and is actually one of a, a great example of um, one of the first examples in literature of female empowerment uh, of a character because Maid Marian was no one's chump. No, in any of these stories, and she, and he was she was like a uh, sort of an equal to Robin, partially because of her spunk, mm-hmm. and partially because Robin, in the stories at least, uh, was kind of down with equality. Right. Yeah, that was one thing that, and basically being in in um, Nottingham area or Yorkshire area, but somewhere in the woods. Those two things are basically the two constants throughout all the Robin Hood legends that he was. Very much down with, um, he was a feminist. Yeah, he was down with the cause. Yeah. <laughs> and Maid Marian, from what I saw, she had her own series of ballads before she appeared in the Robin Hood ballads. She was her own character. And so when they were brought together, it was kind of analogous yeah. to like putting Superman and Wonder Woman in the same comic book, right? basically, which yeah. is a, a pretty cool move. That is a cool move. And to keep her equal to him. That's huge. Yeah. It is huge. Um, whether or not any of that happened, mm-hmm. it's kind of irrelevant as far as mm-hmm. literature is concerned. Right. Uh, there was one historian in 1521 that wrote, uh, Robin permitted no harm to women, nor seized the goods of the poor, but helped them generously with what he took from abbots, mm-hmm. uh, like we were saying earlier with the clergy. Right. Uh, but then in some of the earlier stories, there's not a whole lot of mention of that kind of stuff, uh, except for one that just had one comment that Robin did poor men much good. Which, okay. Sure. guess it's better than, like, he was the scourge of the poor. Yeah, but it wasn't like uh, they built the legend upon that one kind of throwaway line. But I think they did. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But they didn't make a lot of hay out of it. Right. Or at least this that one author didn't. Yeah, not at the very beginning in the ballads. Yeah. there It was also, like, way more violent. Like, there was um one of the characters, Much, the Miller's son. Uh-huh. Much was his name. I just love that guy's name. Much um, was... I think in the ballads, he lops off the head of a page boy, a child, uh-huh. to keep him from, like, blabbing from what he saw, you know, the location of where the merry men were. Right. Um, they, it was way more violent than the, than the, the later ones 
depicted Robin Hood. Yeah, they they were though <laughs> all uh, Robin and his merry men. Um, archery was always a big deal. Yeah, they were all very skilled archers mm-hmm. um, and one of the, and swordsmen, but they were all super skilled horsemen, and that's not something that you see as much. Right. Although I think in this new movie they're he's pretty good horseman. Yeah. I mean, imagine like it's it's hard enough to be good on a horse, but a horse in a forest that's that's like a whole different level. Shooting arrows. Yeah. Like a Mongol. Exactly. And that was who was uh, so good? Yep. The Mongols. The Mongol hordes who made their um, thigh steaks. Remember they the sat on raw meat on their saddles to like, oh, cure it? Right. Thigh steaks. Tartar. Steak tartar. <laughs> uh, what else? You got anything? Um, oh, he was killed by a treacherous prioress, a female church official, kind of like a, a, a middle manager nun. A middle manager nun? Yeah, he went to go see a nun for— Oh, um, right. He was, was he hurt? Healthcare. I'm not sure what it was, but he went to go get bled, and she purposefully overbled him. And then when he asked to be buried somewhere, and she's like, nope, I'm going to bury you on the side of the road. And she supposedly erected a—this um, is in Kirkley's. She erected a stone that, that said, here lies Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. Or something, I don't remember exactly what variation of Robin Hood it was. Um, oh, Robert Hood, H-U-D-E. Yeah. Um, and supposedly she erected it, and this was written hundreds of years later, to to basically let travelers through the woods know that they didn't have to fear being held up any longer. Apparently, if your name had the initials R-H, mm-hmm. it was fair game. Yeah. they They really have a lot of leeway here with... With things uh, like hood, hoed, hod. Yeah. Well, everybody was illiterate, so it didn't matter. Robin, Robert, Robertus. <laughs> Come on. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm <laughs> Robin Come on, <laughs> you middle English dum-dums. Uh, and supposedly after, as he was dying, he used his last bit of energy to shoot it, to fire an arrow mm-hmm. and say, that's where I want to be buried. And that's what she was like. That was nice for the movies, but yeah. it's not happening. She's like, yeah, sure, sure. You can die knowing that I'll bury you just there. Overbled, man. Can you imagine? Because I guess you just get so weak. That I can't imagine. You're probably like, uh, I think I'm good, but I'm not feeling so hot. Right. She's like, just a little more. Should yeah. do it. I'm not dead yet. Yeah. Uh, you got anything else? Nothing. So that was Robin Hood. I love history. Uh, and if you love history, too. We'll go look up some Robin Hood stuff on the internet. Since I said that, it's time for this one. I'm going to call this one of the many, many, many roundabouts emails that we got. We got a lot. Everyone loves their roundabouts. I know. It it was really surprising. Like, everyone wanted to talk about their hometown Mm -hmm. roundabout. Mm -hmm. Everybody's very proud of their roundabout. Apologies to the people of Carmel. Carmel. No, didn't they say it was Carmel? I don't remember anymore. I think it's supposed to be Carmel. Let's go with Carmel. Uh, hey, guys, just finished Roundabouts. thought I'd pitch a little info on our local one in Alexandria, Louisiana. The 1940s, they built two circles as part of a road project to speed up travel between uh, two local military bases that had popped up to uh, during World War II. Mm-hmm. The larger of the two is still in use, though it's notorious in the area for traffic accidents, especially during heavy traffic and bad weather. It's a two-lane circle with a large forested area in the very center that is probably the size of a city block. Wow. Like other roundabouts, you must yield to traffic already on the circle, but there are two lanes that funnel traffic onto the circle and only one lane for getting off. So this means that if you are in the, uh, if you enter in the left lane, 
You have to merge to the right lane before you can exit. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the circle is so big, though, the speed limit is 45 miles an hour Wow! within this circle. Wow. Uh, people inev- inevitably go too fast, or sometimes lanes change as slower cars are entering the circle, resulting in rear-end crashes. Mm-hmm. The problem is frequent enough that the city is seriously looking into uh, eliminating the circle. Boo. No definitive plan on its replacement has been settled on. And some locals are concerned about disrupting wildlife in the forest as well, which has delayed any definitive action on whether the circle will continue to exist. May the circle be unbroken. <laughs> Warmest regards. I love that. Marshall Wells from Colfax, Louisiana. Thanks a lot, Marshall. Appreciate that. Great story. Um, let us know how it pans out because we worry about the wildlife too. Yeah, and thanks for everyone who wrote in about the roundabouts. I love the enthusiasm. Yeah. It's nice. Especially from Carmel. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, do that. You can go to stuffyoushouldknow.com, find our social media links, and you can also send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Howstuffworks.com.